What's up everybody, I'm Alex, generalguybel.com. Welcome to the 13th episode of the Heart Dance Producer Network podcast. This is a very special episode for me because before I started making a podcast, I always heard one statistic and the statistic was something like, I'm not 100% sure, but it was something like 90% of all podcasts never make it through the 12th episode. And before I started that podcast, I made a commitment to myself, no matter what, no matter how difficult it gets to get people to make a nice show, no matter how little the response will be, I will stick through it and make 13 episodes. From now on, I don't give a shit. You know, if you guys not interested, I'm gonna stop it from today and it's all good anyway today's guests i wanted to get them way earlier but i saved them up for this special episode because i knew maybe that will be the last one and i want to have my dear friends from massive dynamic today in today's episode i'm talking with rene cording he and his wife sina running massive dynamic which started off as an event company and later on they added an agency and also two labels for beginning producers and everybody else, it would be probably very interesting to see the other side because those are the people you want to end up working with at the end of the day in your career. Let's get started right away. Welcome, René. You're listening to the Hard Dance Producer Network, the number one producer podcast for the harder styles. Hosted by General Geibel. So you and your wife, you're running Massive Dynamic. It started as an event company. Then you add, later you added a label. Then you added an agency. Then you added a second label. So give us a brief overview how it started and how you ended up having an event company, two labels plus an agency. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so we started in 2015. Um, so like many others in Germany, we were all traveling to major events in Netherlands, like Defcon, Decibel, or Masses of Hardcore. And we saw that uh, we were so surprised how many people were actually traveling from Hamburg and Berlin to, to Netherlands. And we said, okay, why bringing thousands of people to, to the Netherlands to see maybe two or three artists? Let's make it the other way around. Just like, let's make, okay, we bring three artists to Hamburg. So let's bring the artists to the people. So this was actually the idea we we had. So we started to to, to look for a location and then we started to contact um, various agencies. And for example, that we got in contact with most wanted agency and that we talked about um, for a kickoff event like Radical Redemption. And this is how it started. So the, the very first event was on December 26th. And it was quite a success. And so we were pretty confident that we have found like a good uh, marketing space. And so we started to host uh, more and more raw hard style events. So we actually, we were the first in, in North Germany. And yeah, so we saw that the, the events started to develop pretty promising. And over the time, uh, we actually received more and more music demos from, from artists out there who weren't heard at that time. And some of the demos were actually pretty good. So Sina and I, we had the idea, okay, if there are so many good producers out there, so maybe we can help them to, to show their music. So uh, let's use our contacts from the event um, um, part and uh, let's start a music label. 
So we started actually to 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 to, uh, to to found Massive Dynamic Records, and we signed the first artists. And yes, it, it we we felt okay. This makes sense. It makes fun. And then we saw okay, the music is going well, and we have some good releases, some promising artists, and it was pretty pretty well accepted. And then we said okay, uh, let's make it a complete thing. Let's make an agency so maybe we can use our own events to bring our artists with their own music, which is all part of Massive Dynamic Environment. And so this is why we started also an agency, because now we can serve everything out of one hand. So, And yes, now that was 2020, we already had some artists who played at DEF CON. Uh, we got some good releases, so we are pretty uh, happy about this small company we have created here with a good team what what year did the label start uh it was back in 2018 and the agency also around that time yeah exactly so and and you started like the very first event with a bang right away radical redemption who who was on your first party who was else on, on on the lineup uh, it was actually the, the Radical Redemption One Army uh, World Tour. So we had Radical Redemption, Crypsis, Act of Rage, and some locals, because this was from the very beginning one of our concepts. We always wanted to bring also local DJs to big parties, because then they have the exposure to show their skills. And yeah, we just wanted to help them. So this was actually our lineup, Radical Redemption, Crypsis, uh, and Act of Rage. And yes. When nice. we start, when we started to post the event online, we had like two likes on Massive Dynamic Facebook. So, <laughs> which which uh, event was the Theracords night? Was it uh, the second or the third one? Uh, I have to count. Um, I think it was we had the the radical event. Um, I think it was uh, number five. Number five, all right. Because that was the, the first event where I heard the first time of you. I was back then I was still living in Holland and I was like, God damn, like I'm I'm in Holland and like there are fucking good events in Hamburg, <laughs> you know. So I was like, okay, now I gotta move back because good shit is happening at home. <laughs> <laughs> so we are the reason why you're here again. Great. <laughs> well, well, also like the living expenses in Holland and shit like that. <laughs> so there are a couple of more reasons why I'm back here, but yeah, it was it was definitely good to see that I'm going back somewhere where actually also because back then at the time, you know, I was following what was happening home with the events. Yeah, but yeah, everybody was doing, you know, was playing safe. The uh, all all the lineups on the events been really played safe. They got the guys who definitely gonna pull people, but you know, yeah. if you're like into the scene and everything. You want to see some of those who are not that hyped or who are maybe not that popular, but making like cool as fuck shit. And yeah, that was what I seen back then. Like, you know, you had, I think, Digital Punk there and and, and guys like that who usually not here. You know, back then when I was following, it was Headhunters, Noise Controller, Zartox. Headhunters, not that much because he was doing different music at that time. But, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was like they, they, they played very safe. They got like the headliners, like the big, big ones, but like the other ones which are kind of a little bit more underground, they kind of never got booked in this area. So back then, that was the reason why I got, you know, I, 
uh, you got my attention when I saw like the lineups and on the social media I was like shit that's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks that was quite of a new concept where we started to make polls on our socials and website asking okay who should we bring next and this was actually why the the um Theracourt's night was followed by the um, Nightbreed hosting, which was actually also a great night with a lot of artists who have never been to, to Hamburg so far. So yeah. this was, uh, was quite an uh, amazing uh, experience, let's say, with the Theracourt's night and the Nightbreed hosting. Yeah, because back at that time, Nightbreed was kind of new, right? And that was, uh, I found it very exciting when, you know, the first releases came and like, um, was was a very exciting time. Like lately, I don't hear too much, but I'm also not following too much. So I don't know what's going on there. But back then, it was for me pretty exciting. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, I must say that they came around with a cool concept and we said, yes. okay, this might work here. And the team was really amazing around the complete Nightbreed team. They were responsible yeah. for the, the artworks and they really had some cool ideas and this was a good match. And yeah, the whole Nightbreed team, was, the night was just amazing. So we had a lot of fun and a good vibe. How, how many events did you do so far? Uh, I think we are now with only 12 so far if we count in the the outdoor events like the um ruin love yeah. where we have an own stage uh i think we are now 11 or 12 yes so but that's within less than five years because december 2015 yeah so like in december it's gonna be five years from the first event so it's already pretty impressive it's more than two events per year on average yeah thanks Yes, this is just basic because we, we try to make like three events per year. You know, during the summer season, it doesn't make sense to host a club event. So, yes. But in Germany and Hamburg, we are just you know, more focused on club events inside. So during the summer, there's usually the break. Yeah. What, what are like the common problems you're facing as an event hoster? Uh, you mean now with Corona or generally? Yeah, so, well, with Corona, you're not facing any problems because there <laughs> are no fucking events anyway. <laughs> I mean, like the common, like in general, when like, you know, the, the world is all right and the economy works how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I, I mean, the challenge is it's not that easy to host an event in Germany because um, from the normal income, because um, you have to keep in mind like a normal event host, you don't own an own venue, so you rent a venue. And this means that usually only the ticket income goes to you and the venue owner is responsible for the bar for the beverages, uh, which is usually more than the normal income with the tickets, yeah. uh, which can maybe an unfair, but okay. So what use an event hoster of only the, the income from the uh, revenues of the ticket sales. And there you have to deduct like VAT, um, the um, corporate tax you have to pay. And in Germany, there's something special called um, social artist uh, contribution, Künstler Sozialkasse in German called. So this goes also gets also deducted from the ticket sales and then you have also to pay the GEMA. So um, there are a lot of expenses um, Yeah, you have to deduct from the income and you have to keep on your mind. So and just, just uh, to understand from like one euro of a ticket, how many, how much is going to stay with you after you pay the uh, VAT, you pay Künstler Sozialkasse, GEMA, everything? So like... Yeah. What 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 would you say? Fifty cent out of one euro? 
Yeah, I would say 50 cents. So this yeah. might be, it depends on the size because yeah. then it's a bigger event. You have to pay more gamer, yeah. and uh, of course you have to pay the insurance. Um, and I think when we come back to the challenges in Germany, the really big problem is that they, we have only a few really good venues to host events at a certain size. If you go like for 200 people, then it's quite easy to find a good venue. But we were always looking for maybe 800 to more than 1,000. Yes. And then it's really hard to find a good equipped venue with fair deals. And they are only rare here, especially around Hamburg. It's, it's really yeah. surprising. So you're not making millions of events? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> so we're driving a Hyundai. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, still good... still better than a Lada or shit like that. <laughs> you know Lada? Hey, the Russian car? I, I know Lada, yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> you used yeah. to have one in Russia. <laughs> But like they're it. still driving, you know? So Yes. And I mean, they still look the same since 30 years. So. <laughs> they do, and it's yeah. always the blue, the, the 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 dark blue, right? No, I, I mean, I, I mean the whole design. You know, like a couple of years ago, I was in Russia visiting my family, and my uh, my um, how's it called? My cousin was driving yeah. a, a Lada, like, and I was sitting in there. I was like, dude, like that's fucking, you know, vintage, like historic, you know, like old timer. So I was like, what year is it? You know, was it built? And it was back in 2010 when I was there. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's from 2002. I was like, the fuck, really? <laughs> like, it looks like the same ladder my dad had in the 80s. You know? <laughs> the line stays the same, perfect from the beginning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Pretty stable, huh? <laughs> Pretty okay. stable. But um, that's a different topic. Um Is it is it also gotten difficult more difficult to make events uh, compared to five years ago? Because um, from what I hear, also the fees of the DJs raised significantly, and like overall the expenses. If you want to put something up, everything raised uh, significantly, and people probably don't seem to want to accept ticket price raises so did, did it got out of your experience a little bit more difficult to uh, put up events now compared to five years ago yes but this has maybe some more reasons for example when we started it back in 2015 we were actually the only one you know so there was no competition for us so no competitors around so when we hosted an event everybody was coming you know so yes. and it's normal a market um Yeah, timeline, you know, when there's a product that everyone wants to have, more and more competitor, competitors come on, come to the market, you know, so um, it's more, uh, we have more offers. So, yeah, this was uh, one reason why it's harder to make events now, because there are just more events. People can now choose, you know. In 2015, they only had us. So, Now yeah. they are like maybe six event promoters around here. We do raw hard style events. Of course, that makes it a bit harder. And then it's just normal when an artist or um, let's say a genre is growing and the artists are becoming more successful and more known that they're of course, uh, of course, that they are demanding more fees. So uh, yeah, um, it is maybe a, another reason. So the, 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 the fees have of course increased for good reasons. So because yeah. bigger artists, and demand more um uh, fee you know more oh it's it's always good if they you know if they demand more fee it's good if they pull you know people you know, then it's fine you know 
Yeah. If I you think if you book David Guetta somewhere on the, in a fucking stadium and he pulls like fifty thousand people, yeah, of course you can pay him two hundred grand, you know. <laughs> But yeah. you know, some sometimes like I hear of people like you know they get like serious fees but like they play somewhere and it's only like 20 people paying for a ticket uh, it seems sometimes um, a little bit yeah. more difficult it is but i think if it's a normal cycle i've already seen in the hot style scene in the edm scene you know so with, yeah. when the music is small the fees are small right uh, but when it gets bigger the fees are also increasing and of course of course I mean, of yeah. course, uh, if like, you know, it's the same like football, you know, people, uh, the players pulling more money to the clubs and of course yeah. they want to get more paid, you know, it's not like a football player is working harder than like a weightlifter or a hockey player, just like they're pulling more money so they get paid better, of course. Yeah. It's uh, still business. Um, if like, you know, like, Now somebody listens and he is kind of a producer, wants to be a DJ, never played an event in his life. And how 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 does he get a shot at one of your parties? So how does he get a shot overall? Because you've got also the agency side. So how do you get a first booking if you're a complete beginner? Uh, yeah, that depends. For example, they can send us demos. If we say, okay, the demo is good, the music is good, then we usually talk to the person because we want to get to know him, you know, yeah. uh, because my wife, Sina and me, we are running this company uh, with passion. And yes. this means we have the passion and we demand the passion from the persons we are working with. Uh, otherwise, it doesn't make sense otherwise, you know. So this is then usually when we have a good demo or a good application on, on Massive Dynamic Events, on an email, for example, or Facebook, on the socials, people can contact us. And when we have a good yeah, conversation with them, we've got a good feeling, okay, this is a good producer, a good DJ, or even if a nice person, he deserves to get a chance, then uh, the the likelihood is pretty high that we will book him for an yeah. event. Yeah, I so. mean, like... You know, making a good making good music and performing are like two different things. You know, somebody can make good music, but if you put him on stage, it can be a disaster. And I, I guess for many um, for many producers, the first gig is the hardest to get. Because you know, if I would make an event, I would also don't put anybody up who never played in his life. Because yeah. Not even for free, you know, because <laughs> it's like, I don't want to yeah. take the risk to, if I don't know, if, can he play, you know, is he Or, playing yeah. good shit? Can, you know, But yes. does he belong on stage? <laughs> <laughs> I Sometimes we do just uh, uh, catch this up in advance, like, okay, you have maybe the chance to play on one of our events, send us just a mix of 20 minutes so we get a good feeling, what style is, what mixing skills, and this might be, maybe also the advantage of the opening spot, you know, because right. uh, when you're too nervous, it makes difference if you just play in front of 20 people instead of maybe 900, so... Yes. So, of course, yeah. <laughs> makes sense, makes sense. Uh, let's uh, talk about agency a little bit. So, because, you know, since the agency, you're running it now for a bit more than two years, is it right? Two or three years, yep. something like that, yes. And, yeah, you had already some good success. You know, you had artists from the agency playing at DEF CON, um, also, like worldwide so definitely uh 
for a very short amount of time, you had a very good success. Um, we work together, of course, so I know <laughs> definitely what separates you from others. But what would you say do you make different? Because I know a lot of guys are in different agencies and just signing a contract of an agency doesn't mean shit in most cases. Of course, like with a big one, there is also a solid amount of events where you're definitely going to be. But with a smaller one who doesn't make like the big events, doesn't mean that you will have booking. So what do you think uh, do you make differently compared to others? I think uh, this is basically reasoned uh, with the size and the kind of artists we are signing to us. It's like I said before, we are dr driving this company with passion and this is what we demand from our artists. And it's always been our philosophy that we are working as a team. And this also means that each team member deserves kind of uh, attention from us. So if he needs advice or uh, support, we are there to help him and This also, but this means that we can't sign like 50 or 60 artists. Right. So it, it needs to have a certain size so that we, as Sina and I, that my wife and I, we can still handle all the team members uh, with the time they need. So yeah. it's not like anonymous, no, you're with us now. So uh, do your luck. So we are just one team and talk to e each of them nearly every day to give advice, to give uh, receive feedback. If, uh, if they have a booking, we say, okay, uh, talk to the event promoter, for example. And if you're too nervous, you can always call us. And we're just there for the complete team, but we are also there for, for the event promoters. Because the good thing is that beside the agency, we are also event promoter. So we know how an event promoter thinks and uh, yeah. what they don't like about other agencies. Right. And here we clearly try to distinguish from the others and to make it more easy for the event promoters if they book from us because we know how they work and what they don't like and this is why yeah, we we just combine the the synergies of both the agency and the event promoter side because we are on both sides sides actually and yeah out out of my experience I also gotta say um definitely what uh, i felt like separated you from many others at least like from what i heard from guys who are on other agencies is you know a lot of other agencies um not all but many they just sign everything that is available yeah. and then they just sit there and wait for the phone to ring or the email to get so um, that's something i seen with you that you guys are active you know you talk to people and you really make bookings happen you not just wait until like the artist build a contact or get somehow some hype or interest from somebody so you also really actively going after um the bookings for the djs that's what i've seen and i found that pretty pretty great <laughs> thanks <laughs> also also for me <laughs> of course <laughs> i would want the best for you of course <laughs> <laughs> of course um so since we talked a little bit about football and like I would imagine like an agency is something like a football team, right? Exactly. And you you are kind of a small regional team and a lot of players are okay and then you got like one or two good players. They play a fucking great season and all of a sudden the big clubs come and say, "Hey, do you want to come to us?" And I I, I, I think uh, that's what happens too. 
how difficult is it when you're still on a small size how difficult is it to hold artists or like you know kind of or how painful is it to lose them especially those who are kind of really growing because of course you need big artists to grow as an agency yeah that's uh, actually um, one of the biggest challenges because um, those artists are for the company like an asset an important asset and like even for for, for a football club you know when you have a good player uh, he can bring can bring make you grow and make you bigger and more successful but when he leaves you for you it's a big loss Yes. You know, so and this is why we always said, okay, we need as a small label an agency, um, a USP that could help us to 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 make the artist stay with us. And I think this is actually the, why we have this family thing as well, because yeah. we can say, okay, we, we never do any promises we can't keep. You know, so you, um, yeah. if you stay with us, we can grow together as a family, help us and grow with the team and reach something unique and just be different. But there's also the risk, yeah, that we always stay that small, you know. So and this is really then the the choice with the uh, was up to the artist, you know. So he needs to decide: do I want to be part of a family thing and grow together and create something, yeah. because we are really creating here something that wasn't there before, or do I want to just yeah try my luck somewhere else? And yeah, I think both sides have risks and advantages and disadvantages of course but i think you our usp is the family thing that we are working as one for those who listen and are just producers with usp he means unique selling proposition <laughs> we've been talking about losing the major players yes of course like you you cannot like that's like in a football team you know if you got like two players who really pushing pulling the whole team and you lose them then of course it's hard for the team to grow again you know so uh same same thing with that i guess you know there are a couple of examples where djs um grew pretty big and they stayed with their label and their agency and you know the agency also grew of course because there's like one main player there's more interest in him and obviously other djs get also an opportunity because yeah. of the context and everything so um of course As an agency, I would imagine it's pretty hard to grow big if you don't have any big DJs. Or as soon as like somebody has a little bit of potential, he leaves. I would imagine it's pretty impossible. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Because it's like if you have a big agency, you have maybe like maybe 20 big artists work successful. If you lose one, you still have 19 successful, you know. Right. And for a small agency, it's like, okay, you have maybe three really good working artists and then you leave, lose one. It's nearly 30% of the, right. the, the pulling part, you know. So yes. you lose a lot of horsepower in that moment. Yeah. What are you looking for in like you know in, in new artists like would you sign on the agency? What are you looking for? Are there any criteria where you say like yeah you know he has to have like this nice hair? It should be very high. The higher and the he better. He needs to be sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he should wear he should wear the jeans of his girlfriend and you know the long ass t-shirts. I don't know. What are the criteria? I uh, I think we have no catalog there, right? So mm. it's like most important thing is how is the attitude of the guy? Is he honest? And uh, he needs to be ambitious, you know, because he needs to be clear that uh, not doing things by a half. Yeah, it needs to be an artist who is really behind his project, and this might means for him to invest time 
sometimes money and even more time you know so and yeah. that he needs to 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 have a long breath because it's not okay i'm not with an age now with an agency i will become successful within the next six months so it, it really comes to the attitude if yeah. he has a, the good attitude to to push his uh, project forward and he is aware that success is usually not coming that fast he has a long breath he is honest so then he has actually this what it takes to become one of us What is uh, what if he is absolutely not marketable? From the the marketing perspective, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a weird, ugly dude, like a nerd, whatever. It's just like absolutely not marketable. Nobody wants to see him on stage. But he is honest. Uh, he he's a hardworking guy, but simply not marketable. That happens. Uh, I I know a lot of people listening right now. They don't want to agree with that because. It hurts, but it happens. There are just people who are not marketable. Uh, and uh, yeah, if it comes to the the looking, then uh, then we still have the possibility to give him a mask, you know. So <laughs> do that. Do that. <laughs> you you got one of those. <laughs> then you have to wear a mask. Um, yeah, I, I mean, in worst cases, if, if if it's at least a good producer, you can always think maybe of making a couple, a duo, you know. Yeah. So one is the producer, the other is the guy on stage who's playing the music from the producer and doing, you know. know. And yes, but if it's really not marketable, but I haven't seen it yet because I think especially the music scene is pretty uh, open-minded, you know. Even if if he's looking funny, this could work, you know, or mm. if he's too ugly, you know, when the music fits to the looking, then he can be pretty ugly. <laughs> true, true. Actually, yeah, I can, I can think of a couple of like really ugly motherfuckers. If you're ugly, then make a unique selling point out of it, you know, so yeah. then uh, promote your ugliness. Yeah, maybe, because... maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Everybody's marketable. Okay, just... I take take back my words. Uh, how <laughs> how important how important um, is it for you as an event uh, host or also agency that the DJs can actually DJ? Because there is some controversy around that topic. A lot of guys can't actually DJ. Um, how important is that? Be honest. I they have to distinguish from the event promoter perspective. We are more like a service provider. We yeah. need to bring the artist, the audio audience wants to hear in that moment yeah. if there's a market, you know. So there, I don't care. Yes, actually, because it's for me the 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 guests are important. I want to make our visitors happy. They need to have a, a smile when they leave our venue. Yes, you know. So then we have done a good job. So, so if they don't this, care, it, it doesn't matter. Like if they don't care, as long as the music they hearing the music they want, and they yes, don't care exactly. if the DJ is playing or not, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. As an agency, uh, it's an agency. Uh, I wouldn't sign an artist, you know, so to who is just yeah. Let's say it's not like ghosted because if you can't like if you have to play a pre-recorded set, yeah. uh, no, this would just be unfair and not fit to our philosophy as a family, you know, okay. because we want, like I said, we want honest and ambitious people and someone who is not really mixing uh, or producing is not ambitious, uh, willing to do things in the, the, the area we needed, you know, yeah. so then it's just no, no, not, not for us. So what's, yeah. what's, since you mentioned it, what's your personal stand on ghost production? Um, 
Not like as an agency or label or anything, just your personal stand. Uh, for my personal thing is, uh, if I like a track, it is crucial for me to know from what this track actually is because because then I like the producer, not the yeah. DJ who is maybe ghosted. So it's my, my personal attention, uh, intention. Yeah. So because I want to know who is responsible for this great music. Yeah. Because all the music makes something with your mind, with your feelings. So then I would like to know what it is actually it is. So um, I think some artists are really open about it. They are honest and say, okay, I'm not a producer. I have a, a co-pilot who is doing the producing. Yeah. I'm on stage playing the music. Then I'm fine with it, you know, So yes. because then you're transparent. But for me, I would like to know... Uh, really from who is this great music coming yeah. and because i love the track not the, the every dj can play this track but only a producer this producer can produce this track yeah but usually they you know on, on, when when they're bigger usually they are already kind of a team you don't know that there is a different producer but if the name of this dj is on on the record pretty much every record is done by the same guy so if you like that track usually you know, every other track is done by the same guy, even if you don't know that's done by somebody else, you know? Yeah. So um, personally, <laughs> personally, I always think like, if I like a track, I like a track. I don't give a shit. Like, you know, I'm I'm not a big fan of um, people lying, you know, if um, there are some examples who making posts like, oh, working like on kicks all day long and, you yeah. know, they never produce never did anything you know it for a fact that's that's straight out lying and like really pissing in the face of the people but um there are a couple they just don't talk about production and i think it's it's fine you know if, um the music is good the music is good of, of course they put their name on it but at the end of the day um and, and pop music like yeah justin bieber sings on his song but he's not making any music he's not making anything he's not writing nothing he just comes in they give him the music they give him the lyrics and just sing you know yeah so, but only his name is on the record you know? so it's, yeah, it's a good point yeah yeah so i i always feel like it's it's a little bit i, I don't like the lying part about it but like okay two guys who are ghosts but the same ghost producer are doing a collab yes know, yes or or two guys doing a collab who are both ghosted by different guys that's something there that 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 that, that i feel weird because then i'm thinking like do the ghosts kind of meet up you know <laughs> <laughs> and make a collab but put like two other um but even that, it's kind of fine. I, I guess I got more the problem with the ghost guy is um, kind of pretend like he's making his music. That's where I got a problem. It's like, if mm -hmm. he's not making, uh, just shut the fuck up. That's kind of my uh, point on this. <laughs> yeah, but I think in, in the end, it's just all about the music and the entertainment with the people, you know, so. Yeah, think... that's, that's, that's another thing, you know. Um, we talked so often with other guys about it like when you are sometimes on events you really see that like when it comes down to skills more often than not the opening djs or the resident djs are the much better djs than the headliners you see it very very often uh it's just because you know they got to work with the crowd and everything of course like if you are like the biggest headliner in the scene and you come in you can play whatever the fuck you want. People gonna love it, you know. Yeah. 
And if you're kind of the opener or the resident, you really got to work. And those guys are more often than not got really mad skills. But um, of course, uh, at the end, it's again, just the entertainment. And if somebody builds up his name to a point that everybody wants to see him, they are going to be entertained by whatever he does, you know. Yeah, they entertained by the name. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's, it's the same. If a, if a big guy plays a certain set with a certain uh, track, uh, you know, with certain tracks, if the same, another guy, a smaller guy, would play the same set. Yeah, they would take the him way. off stage. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> they would. Exactly, exactly that, you know. Exactly that. You take like one of the headliners and you play one-on-one -on -one his set on the same evening before him. People going to kick you off stage and throw tomatoes at you. After you, the headliner comes in, plays the exact same set, and they will go crazy. <laughs> I will. I would bet my house on it. I don't have a house. I'm renting. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. I was just okay. Yeah. Look at our house. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't want to pretend. <laughs> um, let's talk about record labels. So you started uh, the label Massive Dynamic Records, and then later on you also did Pure Massive which Massive Dynamic Records was more like the raw style and Pure Massive got more hardcore French core, right? Yep, yep. Um, why did you add hardcore? Uh, why did I add hardcore? It's your, for some reason, I'm, I grew up with, with hardcore, you know, when I was, was like 12. I started to listen to Thunderdomes and all the stuff. And I've always had a, a strong relationship to hardcore, yeah. you know, not, not, not the up-tempo style because this is not really the, the kind of hardcore I like. So Motherly Millennium and early hardcore, especially yes. the Millennium hardcore is really with the, which characterized me. And yeah, when we had the, the Massive Dynamic Records label, of course, we received a lot of demos and I said, okay, there are some good hardcore um, uh, tracks in it. And we, the agency has also started to sign some hardcore artists. Uh, I said, okay, it just makes maybe sense to make a second label to keep the Massive Dynamic Records label clearly uh, a branded raw style, hard style label, yeah. and the other one uh, for, for hardcore. And um, if you have just already one label, it's not that hard to build up a second one and to keep it running, you know, because if the work is the same, it's just another logo on it. Yeah. So, and this is why we said, okay, we do now a hardcore label and see how it goes just to give Aura signed agency artists their home and the good hardcore productions we also receive um, from time to time. And this is uh, actually the short reason why. What, what are the criteria for um, you taking on a track? First of all, uh, do you release uh, single releases or you just uh, you know, sign artists to the labels? I mean, I know the answer, but people who listen might be interested. <laughs> so maybe you can answer it. Okay, now <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. I can just not uh, if you're right when you're telling the things how it goes. But, but there are also a lot of people listening to it. They That's also on the podcast audio thing so it's not only video so not okay, that's not gonna do it you, yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you please, gotta so. give me like an audible sign <laughs> yeah okay um what criteria is um actually um the funny thing is to be honest um 
when I hear a demo, a track, I I don't read the, the um, email at first. I just open the track and listen to it. When it picks me up and gets me a good feeling, then I start to read the email. Actually, this is really my, my approach. And when the email is also nicely written, because sometimes or very often we just get a, a random email like, hey, everybody, this is my new track. Give yeah. me feedback. <clears throat> yeah. Or even worse, we already at received. Least, at least they say, "Hey, everybody!" You know, yeah. I, I get I get shit like just a link, and it's like, "Who the fuck are you?" Like, I'm gonna stop everything, gonna stop everything, and listen to your track right now because you sent yeah. me a link without anything. <laughs> yeah, it's actually we already received a demo uh, talking to Nightbreed. Hi, Nightbreed. Here's my new demo. And then you say, "Okay, thanks. I'm not going to listen any further." So yeah. <laughs> we're done here. But I just when I hear a demo for the first time, I just try to be very objective, not being influenced or biased yeah. by anything. So, and then I start to read the email. When it's also a personal email, then you're a really a step further because then I have the, the, the feeling that the person who applies with the demo at our label really sit down and really consciously wrote that email to us so he knows who we are and it's gives me just okay this is really a person who has the the drive uh, the driver and is ambitious to, enough to yeah. be good you know the fitting guy you know so it needs to be a good track that picks me up and then in best case it's also a very very personal email that shows yeah. me okay he knows who he's writing to so Yeah, it's absolutely valuable. I mean, this is kind of the like one-on-one -on, -one on like doing everything in terms of applications, but a lot of people don't understand that. And everybody who's listening, that's very important that you guys do some work and put in some time before you expect somebody else doing work yeah. and putting in time. Um, that's that's uh, very important. I mean, it should be clear actually because like you learn that shit in school when you're fucking 15 i mean in best case you learn it even at home that like you know don't ask for something at least like put in some work before you're expecting something to get but yes uh you know the new generation is uh, <laughs> a little bit more entitled so yeah. it's it's not their fault it's like with the allowances and the whole culture of you don't have to work and uh, you received everything Anyway, uh, but it's a whole different topic. But that's a good point. Like, really put in some work before you expect somebody else yeah. to sacrifice his time listening to your track if you don't even put in the time to write a nice email. Yeah, so it's the first, can he really identify himself with the label? So it shows me that, okay, he's really consciously writing to us. Yeah. And just for all the producers out there, if you send a SoundCloud link for the track, please make sure we can really open it. Like maybe in one third of all cases, the, the link is dead or it's just private and we can't open it. Yeah, you know? because so, they just copy the URL from yeah. the browser instead of sharing it if it's private. Yeah, yeah. And then you have the issue that you can't listen to the track and it always looks a bit odd. So Just yeah. Avoid this mistake, or even uh, we e transfer link. You know, you could be honest. Sometimes the label has not. We are receiving a lot of demos from time to time, and I can't promise that we can't listen to all of them within two weeks. Is it two weeks? And after that, uh, a we e transfer link gets just uh, deactivated. Yeah. Mm. So make a Dropbox link or even a SoundCloud link. So just to make sure because a label manager can also be on vacation sometimes you know and then he comes back from vacation and the ve transfer link is already dead what 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 is your preferred type on like how people should submit demos if you had like 
to, to choose one, what would you like the best? How would you receive demos? I, I think it's, it's, it's clearly a, a SoundCloud link because yeah. this just works easiest, yeah. you know. We don't have to download anything and yes. it just directly starts and then, yes, we are fine with it. Yeah, I totally agree. Because like WeTransfer and shit, I wouldn't accept that because I don't want to download anything. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for example, yeah, it's a good reason. And sometimes WeTransfer is not working or a, a Dropbox link is not working. We don't yeah. know why. But we also get sometimes issues with the Google Drive link. Sometimes we hit it and it's not opening. So we never... Google Drive is the worst. Like nobody in the world should use it. <laughs> but it's, it's the same like if you talk to him, okay, what's the best mobile handy provider you know so somewhere it's like okay it's o2 the other says okay o2 sucks and the other says yeah. okay it's it's vodafone yeah. you know it's it's the same discussion so you know you know which one is the best i'm gonna let you in on a secret you know which one is the best no the cheapest <laughs> well, it's not always the best I, I've, been, I've been i've been living for too long in holland and it's always like <laughs> <"Hood cope." laughs> You want to get the best price. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes for good quality, you have to pay a bit more. So, yeah. yeah absolutely true. Yeah. So if you buy cheap, you buy twice. Unfortunately, yes, that's true. Uh, do you uh, pay attention to, you know, social media followers and shit like that at all? Uh, you mean um, on our label um, side, on, on the label social side. agency? Yeah, if you kind of sign uh, new artists or like take on tracks, like so let's start with the label. Like, um, do you pay attention if you know you get a demo and um, no, no, actually no, because it, for me the music counts yeah. and the person behind it, and not his social media. Of course, it's always an advantage when you receive a demo from an artist who has already maybe 100,000 100, real followers, you know, so, but... And then if, 10 likes on each photo. <laughs> this something totally, yes, different, yes. Yeah. So, uh, real followers, like I said, yes. you know, yeah. so, uh, or real living followers. Uh, yeah. So, no. So, even if it's an artist with 10 likes, 10 followers, or with 100,000, it doesn't make any yeah. difference for me if the trick is good if the person is real behind it and ambitious and then we're good to go so what about what about for the agency because that's kind of a more long-term commitment and of course it's harder to sell a dj who has like 100 followers on instagram it's definitely harder to get him a booking uh if he doesn't have a following uh do you pay attention to that actually uh not really so because it's like uh, i said more important is is this guy promising is he ambitious does he fit to the team and to the family yeah. is he really having the same principles like we do so then the rest come from itself you know because we don't want to have like uh, someone with maybe ten thousand followers but he's not a team player yes. uh, he's more like egoist you know just elbows everywhere now so I'm pretty pretty sure for events like when you book DJs there you pay attention to the amount uh, of following and real fans and interest overall you have to I guess. Yeah, uh, yes, we do some 
several approaches. There we will really sometimes look at the followers. Are they real? How many are they? Yeah. But we also measure if their fan base is relocated in that area, we are yeah. going to host an event, you know. So if the, the person, the guy has most of his followers in Peru or India, yeah. so for example, or has a big fan base in, in France, this also yeah. could be, you know. So then it doesn't just make sense to bring into Hamburg. So, Makes but sense. if we have someone who has a big fan base here in Hamburg, for example, or near round, so then it can make sense to bring him, despite the fact he has maybe only three thousand followers, you know. Because, but if the the fan base is here, so we bring him. Uh, when you put up a lineup for an event, how much of that is um, your personal taste, and how much of that is business? In other words, how much like do you go by booking DJs which you personally like? And how much do you go by booking DJs where you know, yeah, he's gonna bring people and we're gonna have a good party, even though I don't like the music, but we're gonna have a good party and at least like don't lose money. How much would you say is either one of those? I think for for um maybe 50% of the lineup, it's like we are a service provider, you know, we have mm -hmm. to feed needs of the people. Mm -hmm. And if they have a need for a certain artist, I maybe don't like, uh, I don't care because it's for the people. Mm -hmm. We have to make them happy, you know. It's like so the, the, the major players are actually what the people want to have. Yes. And I think the, the, the blossoms around are maybe those ones we, we try to enrich the lineup maybe a bit more sometimes we really think we like yes you know, so to, to because sometimes it can even work to bring an artist that is not that hyped at the moment but a lot of people will come and see him and we'll be surprised that even the smaller guys or not that hyped can play still great sets yes so, so i think for the for the the headliners we do it like okay what do the people want and the, the smaller ones There we say, okay, what could be good for the people as well, but maybe they're not aware of, you know? Well, I'm pretty sure sometimes you get both, right? Sometimes you get headliners, which you actually like. I'm pretty sure when you got Warface, I'm, I know you're <laughs> fans. So <laughs> that, that kind of goes both ways, right? <laughs> I, yeah, of course. In that yeah. case, that really fits because he's personally a good guy he's from 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 a booking perspective from an event promoter he's really handsome so it works the the, the party he does is also really great he, he satisfies your guests so yeah uh, and it's good music so it's, yeah, it's win yeah. there we have a win-win of course yes. yes of course did you ever had some um things that went like oh what, what were the things that went terribly wrong on events Uh, okay, let me think about it. I think one night, it was actually the Nightbreed hosting. There we had really a bunch of artists to bring to Hamburg. And at that time, we had the really exactly on that weekend, we had the Hamburg Harbor uh, birthday party. It's an annual event where more than two million people come to Hamburg to celebrate the Harbor's birthday, you know. So at that weekend, all the hotels were completely booked one year in advance. So we, we signed the, the, the uh, Nightbreed night. So and then we started to book, try to book the, the, the hotels for like 16 artists. And then we figured out that all the hotels at that time, it was like 11 months in advance, were already, already totally booked. 
So, okay, some rooms were still there, but only for like 500 euros per night. So we had to, to accommodate all the artists outside Hamburg. Still a nice hotel, but it was like 40 minutes away from the, the venue. So you had to drive over the uh, motorway. And then that night, uh, we had like three drivers and we had a timetable. Okay, next, it was Digital Punk to play. So like maybe one hour in advance, the driver starts to go to the hotel to pick up the artist to bring to the venue. And But that night, there was a huge car tra a crash on the motorway. So the complete motorway was blocked that night. Oh, yeah. And our driver called us. Okay, hey, Sina, Rene, um, I got E-Force here, but we're not going to make it on time um, for, for the time of uh, E-Force is going to play because the complete motorway is blocked. Yeah. And then you're standing there, you know, you have the fixed timetable. Everything is pre-scheduled. So everything is working hand in hand. And then suddenly the next headliner is not there. <laughs> Logistical nightmare. How, how did you solve it? Uh, that was pretty nice because um, um, here um, um, and Himian heard mm -hmm. that. And he came to us and said, okay, no problem, guys. We're going to make it. We're playing a B2B and we just switch around the timetable a bit with the artists we still have here. And he was pretty flexible. So uh, and Demian, yeah. uh, they just switch it. And we talked and our MC, MC Tools, just informed the crowd, okay, guys, we have some issues with the traffic here. So we're going to switch a little bit the timetable. And next, it's not E-Force, but it's and Demian and so they fixed it with us so that was <laughs> <laughs> yeah it sounds like a nightmare yeah, it's, it, it was you know it's because it was during night and how often does an, an accident uh, happens at the time you know so and uh, out, that was quite those, stress out of those 12 events which you already done uh, how many did how they should be without any incidents or any kind of problems which came unexpected, big problems. You mean in total so far? How many? Yeah, from from all the events, how many did really go smooth? How they should be smooth? Uh, I think. Let me say maybe I think we got at three events. At three events, we had bigger issues, but it's always the challenge. The the guest shouldn't uh, notice it you yes. know because it's all about solving the issue without because the guest has paid his ticket yeah. he has a demand for good reason yeah. and then you have to solve it so uh, let's say we had three events where we had honestly three big problems at the background we had to solve and only once at the night bridge we had to inform the crowd yeah. but in the other um, cases we, we actually solved it um Successfully, you, you want to talk about the others or better not? I think that was um, at the at the Royal District. We had some issues with the sound system in the background because the the the, the machines in the background were showing red lights, and the technician who was supposed to be there the whole night was actually not there. So, and uh, luckily, one of our friends was also a music technician, was able to solve the issue before the complete sound system uh, broke down. So he went back backstage and just uh, 
uh, played around the, the computer yeah. hardware, so and in, then he fixed it and really brought the thoughts, uh, sound system back into the green area. So we said, okay, that have, could have gone wrong yeah. because in worst case, the complete sound system would have gone you, you down. Remember, you remember which one it was? But no, not at the moment. Because <laughs> on, on one where I played, there have been also some issues. And that was during my set and like the um the technician he was like full of shit like he was telling shit like yeah because he's playing like ripped uh mp3s and shit and i played at that moment i played one of my tracks so <laughs> and you know your wife was sad like it can't be he's playing his own track right now because the bass completely shut down there was no bass anymore and he was trying to tell her because obviously he understood that she kind of, you know, it's not like the technical part of like the whole thing. And she, he's like, yeah, it's because of the sticks and everything. And I, like later, like I told her, like, this guy is full of shit. Like he fucked it up and tries to blame it on the DJs because uh. it's like something about playing ripped MP3s and shit. Come on, go fuck yourself. It's like, it's not going to shut down the bass because you play like some low quality MP3. So <laughs> that was, that yeah. was an, an interesting experience. Like uh, yeah. I was, I was pretty upset about this guy. Yeah, no, it was actually not that nice, but it's good to know. <laughs> yeah, true. But uh, so, and the other thing was, uh, I think it was the Raw District number two, where we had the complete sold out. Um, there was one of our driver who started to, to pick up, leaving the venue and jumped his, into his car and to pick up another artist. And he was the only driver left at that time. But like after 200 meters, he crashed into another car. Yeah, so uh, luckily he was not that injured. Uh, but we had no driver for like 30 minutes. And we yeah. were like calling around, okay, guys, next is headliner. We need to bring him here. So uh, luckily a good friend who was living nearby came around and he drove the artist actually. Yeah. So yeah. So those are the big problems and then of course you're facing a lot of small problems like forgetting to pick up a dj from the airport and shit like that for example <laughs> uh, no so for ex like other issues like okay that the beer is empty in the backstage area and uh, someone is hungry so yeah. for i think it was at the very first event um one of the artists asked later on for you know we, we prepared everything very very consciously and ordinary so everything was there except food <laughs> right yeah happens happens um are you still looking like for new artists for the uh, releases like for the record labels and and stuff like that or do you say like we got we are good said we are set i'm not listening to demos anymore or are you always looking for new stuff i'm always looking actually because yeah. you always can do better yeah. i think this even counts for a company like or and as a person so of course if there's a good producer out there we are still here and trying to give to help him you know so yeah. we, we are still we are still looking for for artists so we're still open-minded even for for new music so we never say no how how do can people um reach out to you send you their demos um they can maybe um 
for example, they can look on our legal notice on our website because there's our company address, so you can yeah. drive there. Now, um, in best case, um, they just drop us an email. For example, if you do a demo, it's your demo at Massive Dynamic Records. Uh, .de. Um, yeah. There you can drop a demo, of course, but you can also write us on our socials like Instagram, like many artists do, or um, Facebook, write us there. Yeah. Hey guys, you know, I would like to drop a demo, so where can I do it? Um, yeah. And yeah, pretty easy. So, okay. Uh, one thing I try to ask everybody. Um, sometimes I forget. Sometimes I don't. Um, usually I ask for like a good piece of production advice. Since you know you're not producing, the production advice goes away. But um, maybe you can still um, just from from the eyes and the perspective of, of a label manager. Maybe you still hear something that um or recognize some common mistakes which um, producers make when they send demos maybe there is some advice you can give like um is there anything <laughs> no <laughs> uh yeah i would say that um for example what we very clear often hear is that they, they send tracks there's no you know every stay um, track uh, for me, it's like telling a, telling a story, you know, you have a part that picks you up, it builds up to something, to, to the climax, you know, there's a special point and then, um, you know, so because, but some tracks, they are like a river, you know, there's no starting point, there's no main part, there's no end, it just floats no, with no highlight, you know, so, yeah. and... They're pointless. Yes, they're totally pointless. So it yeah. doesn't pick you up, and yeah. uh, you got the feeling it never starts. But suddenly the track is already over, and you said, "Okay, yeah. where has now been the 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 highlight of this track? Where is now? You know, so it's totally boring." And yeah, I guess that's a, that's a new generation of roster producers who are obsessed with kicks. You know, they put in a million kicks, and they are super proud of them and everything. But um, then those tracks seem not to have anything. There's like you, yeah. you don't have a hook it nothing that, that that catches your attention except of a couple of cool kicks <laughs> yeah and the the other thing is i really or we really often notice is um by the way we have also a producer who's also checking demo from the producer perspective you know i'm more like the the consumer could it marketing wise work you know so but we also have a good producer in the background also like you sometimes i send you the tracks and you give feedback um i have a new one by the way i'm going to send you tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> Now that I'm not sure about the, the the mastering, it sounds a bit odd. Um, what I also very often notice is that some artists tend to to put in as many sound elements into the arrangement they could do, you know. But yeah. a track for me has to have some elements that are returning, you know. So because yeah. then you, it feels like one track, yeah. and if you just put into too many things that don't repeat from time to time it doesn't feel like one track so just like an, a loose arrangement of, of sounds you know because for me a track needs to have some elements that are returning because those elements are giving the character to the track you know so yeah can i say it like this like yes 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 that, that that makes absolutely sense and i totally agree on that i mean i also find, find it um really good um that you are actually not a producer because um, out of my experience sometimes 
it's a pain in the ass if uh, the label is run by a producer, especially if the label is run by an active DJ. Of course, mm -hmm. usually those guys, they just focus on themselves. They treat everything else like shit. They don't give a shit about anything because they make it just for themselves. But also when you deal with labels, and I had to deal with labels where like the A&Rs are also producers, DJs, whatever. Um, they analyze everything from technical standpoint, you know. So they uh, are sometimes way too much into mixing, and then there's like, yeah, make this louder, this lower, but they don't get they 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 forget to listen to the music, you know. So I I, I personally think um, it's it's important that uh, the guy in the label is more a fan than a producer, you know. Also. Um, also, uh, Daniel from Most Wanted, he also said it once, the same thing, like, you know, he just listens to the tracks, he's not a producer and everything, but I find it very important that uh, A&Rs and people who actually release tracks are fans, because we producers, we tempt to build our shit in our head, and also producers also listen to different types of stuff in the tracks, but if you're running a label and you kind of want also you know to reach people you need tracks which people listen to and not producers so yeah. I, I think it's a very good thing and personally i would also think twice if i want to go to a label run by a dj <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah it's, it's it's really it comes to this i'm just listening to a track picks is this track may picking me up you know yes. so when I close my eyes, do I see myself on a dance floor freaking yeah. out to the track, you know? So this is the, the basic thing. I just, yeah. is this track working for me on the dance floor or not? Yeah, it's, so. also, it's also a great tip for producers as well. Um, just like really uh, close your eyes and see if you could uh, dance to it. And if you're not even dancing, um, try to imagine you playing it on a dance floor. That's yeah. a mistake which I did early on quite often. I was also very obsessed about putting in my ideas and sounds and everything. And then I figured out that I, I don't even play those tracks because I know they're not going to work, you know. So I, you know, that's a lot of producers. So I'm speaking to those who listen and speaking out of my own experience. Just really close your eyes and imagine you playing that track and imagine the reaction and try to be honest because <laughs> sometimes the reaction is not as good as you might have thought. <laughs> Yeah, it's, just, it's maybe like cooking a meal, you know, if uh, once when the, when the meal is perfectly arranged and cooked at time, you know, so it doesn't mean that it tastes good for the right. consumer, you know. <laughs> right, right. And if it doesn't look too nice, but it can still taste pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. So uh, there are not uh, a lot of meals out there who doesn't look good, but they taste good. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, do you have uh, like... Um, uh, overall like a uh, business advice for like the people who are listening just like you know out of your perspective what like producers should pay attention to when they kind of really want to make a career out of that uh, I think um, that the advice would be you have to be clear that this especially as producer it's not like a fast run it's more like a marathon you know because yeah. um, to become a good producer to produce good music it's a long way. It's really a long way. It doesn't come overnight. You have to be aware that it takes long and 
even that long time, you have to be really working hard all the time. You know, it's not a part-time job, you know. So, and nowadays, it has even more become crucial to be also good on socials, you know. So, it's back in the days, it was basically the music and a good network who could help you to become successful. But nowadays, uh, you have to be, be also good networking, social media, uh, producing, and, you know, so... I think that the the, the most, uh, most important areas at the moment, social media, is, and we, we see a lot of uh, music projects will clearly say that their music is shit, but the social media are just amazing and it works. Yeah. Well, then, you know, make the shit your, your USP. It's like when you're ugly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, well, um, if, if you say like there are kind of three areas, like, you know, your music, uh, your social media, and like the overall offline networking. network yeah uh, if you would have to put in percentage on how important everything is in your opinion what would it be uh, to be honest i think it's like in, a, uh, in the other business i think uh, networking is really uh, with a strong network you can reach a lot more uh compared to a situation when you're completely alone and doing things on your own. Because yes. if you have a good network with the good producers, known artists or event promoters, they can hook you up and directly spread them into their existing, existing networks, you know. So yeah. this is really, uh, really crucial. But I think it depends also on the artists themselves. What is your driver? You want to become successful? Then it's networking. Of course, if you want to be a really good musician who is producing high quality music, then it's producing skills, you know, yeah. because and then networking. So it's, it's always it depends on what your major, major goals are. You know, if you want to play at the big stages pretty quickly uh, and you don't identify with the music, then it's a good network and play the music that people want to hear, which is hyped at the moment. But then you're not the artist who wants to spread his message with his music and yes. so I, actually i can't rate it yeah. because it depends on the artists on yeah it depends is, depends on the goals yeah but yeah well, uh, sometimes but uh, sometimes you know i feel like um, a lot of people are also full of shit right because uh, <laughs> yeah. i'm always so so honest but um You know, there are a lot of guys that are like, yeah, I just, you know, just want to be like, make music and this and that. And it's like, you're full of shit. Why the fuck do you have a, a social media account in the first place? If you just want to be the best producer in the world, but you don't really care about like going on stage, you don't care about anything. Why the fuck do you break your balls? posting shit like spamming groups spamming everybody with your fucking music if you just want exactly, to make music, yeah. just make music you know sometimes that pisses me off if people are like yeah but it's all about the music yeah it's a fucking all about the music delete your fucking social media go off the grid and just sit in your basement and make music you know sometimes like people are not honest to themselves you know if they are lacking success they're just like yeah i'm in there for the music if you're in there for the music you wouldn't break your balls and posting like fucking selfies exactly. and stories and we have similar discussions sometimes with our artists uh, because then sometimes they say okay i would like to produce this kind of track renee can you have a listen because it's really soft and very melodic but i'm afraid that th this track won't become successful in the raw style market because everybody is looking at the moment for really hard kicks and yeah. you know so but renee what should i do shall i produce a track i love but have the risk that I'm, nobody wants to hear it or shall i maybe make it harder so it will become more 
more successful, but in the end, it might become a track I don't like. You know, so this is a thing all the artists have to answer for themselves. I can't give the answer. You know, so if you want to become an artist who is successful, then you have they have to find a way to produce the music the market wants. Yeah, yeah, the people want to actually hear. That's right. Yeah. But I mean, at the end, you can still adjust to the market. And again, you know, for those who listen, I'm not want to coming across as like uh, arrogant and stuff because I was like that. You know, I was making music that I like. Give don't give a shit about others, but still breaking my balls with social media and shit. So I made those mistakes. And what I learned is you can make music suitable for the market which you still like. You know, of course now I, I couldn't go in and make up tempo because I don't like up tempo. Of course that's not gonna happen. But if I like raw style and I like more the softer, but right now everybody wants hard, I still can find a compromise where I can produce something harder that I still like, you know? So sometimes um, people put themselves a little bit too much in the box. And I guess um, a lot of people would be better off to make up their mind. Do you want people to listen to your music? Make what people want to listen to. Don't expect that you produce something and just because it's there, everybody is going to love it. Um, that's a problem which I see a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's also the big challenge for new producers. The market currently, I think, compared to 10 years ago, it has never been so easy to create music because you see a lot of tutorials on, on, on YouTube. The, the software gets more and more sophisticated to help producers to, to make easier kicks and sound designs, for example. So, And this just makes what it is. The market currently is spoiled with new artists and this makes it even harder to stand out and, and to become successful. And this even makes it why the, the and makes the marathon even longer, you know, yes. because in the end it's the breath and the, 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 the distance you want to go. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, you know, in uh, like in the 90s, it was more about like getting the money to buy the equipment which you need because like if you want a certain sound, you need a certain synthesizer for that and that's yeah. like a small car. So uh, then, of course, like, you know, software got better and everything, but then there was still a lot of like skills and everything. Nowadays, everything is available to everybody. So everybody yeah. can do, and there's a lot of information available and everything. So now it's really, you know, who does something that's different enough, but also appealing. And um, yeah, that's uh, there. I got absolutely to agree on that because, um, yeah, like, like you said, you know, a lot of guys now uh, putting in a million kicks and they expect people to like it. And of course, there are people who like it. Hey, know, every, every track ever produced is liked by somebody at least by the guy who produced it you know if you finish <laughs> yeah. a track you obviously like it you know and if you like it out of fucking seven billion people somebody else on this fucking world is gonna like it uh but again there's like you know the goal if you want like if you don't want to have 20 streams on spotify but you want to have 20,000, you gotta adjust a little bit if you don't yeah. want a 20,000, but you want a two million you gotta adjust if you want a 20 million you gotta adjust even more Always a question of the extent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is your take on that? I mean, now we are getting like very philosophical here, but um, a lot of things that I hear every time, it's like um, we had also this discussion with Tears of Fury. Uh, you know, people sometimes are weird because um, they are like, 
they listen to like some underground shit, which nobody knows, which is kind of horrible. And nobody listens to it. And they say like, that's the real shit. Uh, because like nobody listens and everybody doesn't know shit because like millions of people listen to other music but only 20 of us listen to this crap so we are the enlightened you know we know everything we are you know we got a good taste and um, as soon as something of that gets more popular uh, people turning their backs those people and say like ah that's fucking commercial shit that's bullshit and stuff like that so what is your take on this kind of attitude like when people are so fucking anal about the music they listen to i think it's, it's kind of a personal nature so because some people are like okay i want to be a pioneer you know so yeah. uh, because those are those were standing uh, at the side and telling people i was listening to this music before you started listening to it you yes. know it's, yeah. it's, it's, some people need it i don't know why it's like yeah. even sports you know when there's coming a new kind of sports you have some guys who are doing this from the very beginning and they're in and then it becomes commercial and then they they leave the sector just telling okay now it's too commercial for me but i was there when it started yeah. you know so it's it's just yeah to promote maybe themselves a bit to say okay i'm better than you it's maybe yeah, it's uh, like, uh, like probably this anti-establishment type of thing right so it's like i'm not like everybody so exactly yeah. so unlike yeah. others you know yeah so. if people listen if like millions listen to this i don't like it you know if like only 20 people listens to this i like it you know and as soon then as a million start listening to that again i don't like it anymore because then you're special again you know so maybe some need it you know to, yeah. to define themselves yeah but being different you know so because then you're interesting for many people because oh they are not following the hype what's so mm. different about them so yeah uh, but you see it everywhere it's sometimes it's, it's a little bit childish right so it is of course because yeah. I, i i was like that as a, as a fucking child you know so i was like running around like with my slayer t-shirts like listening death metal super loud that everybody can see uh, what a of fucking course, hard shit i'm listening to When I was 14, you know, so like always with my Walkman, it's like everybody should hear what the, the hard shit I'm listening to because I was like, yeah, everybody should think like how cool I am, you know, and everybody thought yeah, I'm course. a fucking loser. That's what I actually was. Even on the public transport, you know, the music was so loud, everybody was li could listen to it. Yes. It's the same for me when I was 12, listening to hardcore music, you yeah. know. I was always sitting in the... When I went to school, I had those... Uh, um, how they're called, you know, um, headphones. The headphones, yeah. Yeah, big ones, really big ones, but they were so loud, so everybody was able to listen. Yeah. Uh, instantly hear, okay, that guy is listening to some kind of hardcore because at that yeah. time it was still an underground music. But I was yeah. proud on it, you know. I was so different, and, and uh, everybody was listening to 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 hip hop at that time. For yeah. example, everybody was wearing a Helly Hansen uh, jacket or an Eastpac backpack, you know, mm. except me. Yeah. I was wearing a, a Eastpac backpack and I was proud of it, you know? Yes. Well, what did you <laughs> have? Like a military one or what? Uh, I think it was called Homeboy, a Homeboy uh, backpack from the yeah. UK. Okay. My my uncle brought it to me and I was really in love with this backpack. Yeah. It was for Homeboy, you know? So already, was, already being different. Yeah, yeah. I, guess, I guess that's it, you know? When you're kind of 12, 14, you kind of, you know, try to find some approval by being like fucking different and like, you know... Uh, being a rebel but sometimes it's really sad if i see like 40 year old old people being still like that but <laughs> that's a little bit of a different topic 
it's maybe still because they haven't found themselves yet, you know. So, or is it they're still looking uh, how they can be or where they are, you know? So, yeah, makes I'm sense. Not sure, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. Yeah. Well, we are pretty much through. Uh, is there anything you want to tell to the people who listen? Maybe you I... want to plug something. Yeah, there's actually one thing I would like to mention is, uh, you know, I hear certain styles of music and some, I always, I can still listen to, for example, totally different styles. I like music from, uh, you know, uh, uh, Whitney Houston, for example. It's not hard style. It's not hardcore. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know so, that meme? Okay, continue. Sorry, I had to bring it in. <laughs> I'm going to cut it in with this Japanese guy. <laughs> Gay! <laughs> okay, yeah, just do. I'm curious about the result, you know. <laughs> Sorry, continue. You li you listen to Whitney Houston, for example, just you know. Yeah. I totally uh, fed up with uh, hating about other genres, you know. In the end, it's music, and uh, if there is a music style somebody loves to listen to, then this kind of music has for me the uh, the right to exist, you know. And I really, I'm, I'm fed up about this genre thinking. Yeah. You know, my music is better than new music, you know. Uh, Uptemper is bullshit, you know. No real hardcore is hardcore, you know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's music. And when Uptemper is, uh, when there are people who love Uptemper, then it has, it has his fucking right to exist. Absolutely. So, and then I'm fine with it, you know. So I don't need to listen to, to Uptemper. I don't, really don't. Yeah. Sometimes I can. There, Of course, there, even there, there are some good tracks. In every but, genre, you find good tracks. You know, so, but I will never hate against those, and I, I really would love to to, to see the people that they are more open-minded to other genres and accept them. You know, so, so yeah. just accept it. You don't need to love them, but accept that they are there and stop hating. You know, because hating is it's so time-consuming and uh, it's uh, it, it consumes resources. You know, so so yeah, it doesn't bring you further. It's not. This is not what is music all about. Yeah, I guess the, the 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 overall problem. I mean, first of all, I absolutely agree on, on with, with that on you. Absolutely, uh, I I just think the problem is the overall scene compared to what's going on in the whole world and every other scene. It's such a small thing, and you know, people who are only in the scene they got the perception it's big, but in reality, compared to everything else going on. It's it's a joke, you know, the whole scene. Yeah. I'm not calling the scene a joke. It's just compared to what everything else is. It's just like a sand corn in on on the beach, yeah. and um, that's what what happens, you know. So you don't have like in like EDM, you don't have like those discussions like oh like techno shit, but house music is cool and everything because like it's fucking big. But here it's so small and still divided in smaller parts. There's raw style, extra raw, and there's up tempo. There's yeah. like all all that different shit, and they come up with new shit every day. And there, there, where's the hate is coming from? And I, I absolutely think you know people should just like mind their fucking own business you know it's super yeah. annoying why everybody needs to share his opinion on that like if you don't like it you don't like it it's fine yes, you know, there's, there's a lot of shit that i don't like um you know i don't need to write about it every time especially if they write it on their post that uh, they don't like it it's fine but yeah. they go on an artist profile go really out of their way because they don't follow him they go 
and leave a comment that they don't like it. And the, it's usually a rude comment. And I think like, well, if you don't fucking like it, it's fine. Where does it lead? You know, where's the benefit from doing this? You know? Yes, yes. It's, it's, it's so stupid. Yes. Um, but on, on the other hand, I got to say, I mean, there was like a period of time. There have been so many memes about Uptempo. You know, not not that I'm hating on Uptempo, but they've been hilarious. You know, I've been really <laughs> laughing my ass off. And, of course, and, yeah. and a lot of those guys got so butt hurt, you know, they really didn't understand it's a fucking joke. Because like a lot of guys it is a joke. It's a lot of guys who actually really love Uptempo been sharing those memes as well because they've been so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, it's it, but the, the... That's about the memes, about the fun, yeah. not about the music. Yeah, yeah, um, but it was just up-tempo, you know. People have been just, you know, posting like some retarded people and it's like up-tempo and shit. But yeah. it was just funny. It could be every other genre, but... Of course it could, yeah. Probably their reaction because they've been so butthurt about it. Like it was like even a Facebook page, like something anti-up-tempo social club. And people have been like really trying to put it down and other groups have been like, oh, we got to do to put it down and everything it's like it's fucking funny you know <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah totally so yeah so this would actually be my message to the people out there just to focus a bit more on the music not on the other genres you don't like you know and yeah. not hating yeah it doesn't lead to any it leads to nowhere you know and just in wasting time and resources and uh, maybe friends <laughs> absolutely some really great words All right. Um, thank you so much for taking the time, showing, me. sharing your perspective as an event organizer, label manager, agency, and it sounds so big when you say this like this, yes. you know. But, <laughs> but it ain't that big. <laughs> it's 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 really good for like um, you know the producers who listen to just get a different perspective, you know, perspective from the other side, from the people they actually gonna end up working with. So um, much appreciate. Thanks for your time. Thanks, thanks, Alex, and have a nice evening. You too. Yeah. All right, this was it for this episode. I'm pretty sure you could find a lot of interesting bits and pieces on how to deal with people like that, how to send in demos, how to behave to get at booking and stuff like that. Next week we are back with another episode. And until then, make sure you check out the other episodes. If you're in need for sounds and samples, make sure you check out generalguybel.com. And until then, thanks for tuning in. I see you next week. Bye bye.